My Eagle enthusiasts, it's Fairway Rolling, presented by FanDuel. Major season is here, and you can get in on all the long drives, big putts, and major moments with FanDuel. Check out live PGA Tour bets like longest drive, round leaders, matchups, birdie or better, and more. Plus, track every shot in the app and watch select par three holes while you place your bets. Download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official betting operator of the PGA Tour. Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. You must be 21 years old or older and present in select states. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts from superchargers and brakes to exhaust kits and beyond, eBay Motors levels your baby up to its peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Today on Shack House, we kick around the BMW Championship, the Ryder Cup, Tiger's possible return to golf, and we talk with special guest Dan Hicks of NBC Sports. But as always, Shack House is presented by Callaway Golf, makers of the number one iron in golf. Callaway recently launched two new irons, the Steelhead Irons with that great signature shape and big distance, and the super forgiving Big Bertha OS Irons. Go to CallawayGolf.com now and check out the iron fitting tool to see which set is right for you. Let's go to the Shack House. All right, another great week on the PGA Tour. We are here in the Shack House and House. I know you have playoff fever. You're 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 recovering, frankly, from the exhaustion of it all, aren't you? I have a fever and I'm recovering. <laughs> it may not have anything to do with playoff <laughs> golf. There was some football on yesterday. But I am quite thrilled with what the golf is showing us as we round into form, as we approach this Ryder Cup moment two weeks away. Um, some captain's picks were announced today, so I'm excited to talk about that. All right, yeah, and we will. And I, I just, it, it, it's a tough one because you don't want to be uh, rude. It was a, uh, BMW was a good event at Crooked Stick. They did a beautiful job. They had big crowds on the weekend. Dustin Johnson played beautifully. Paul Casey keeps reminding everybody of, of what a loss he'll be to not have on the European squad, which I enjoy. The uh, I can only imagine what's being said over in Europe about that. But that, uh, you know, they should have handled things a little better with him. And plus, he just, I don't think he's that into it anymore. But uh, but it is kind of unfortunate that this, this event, which used to be a, the Western Open and a great event for the Evans Scholars, and um, it's kind of moving around. And then in a year like this, it gets a little bit overshadowed by the Ryder Cup talk. But it just, it's really nothing against the event. It just speaks to the what the Ryder Cup has become and what it means to people. And uh, I, I think really, House, more than anything, what, what's so fascinating about the Ryder Cup continues to be the, the idea that golf is an individual sport. And we're watching these, these loners, these, these uh, well, they're individuals. They're, they're people who just want to do their own thing, having to come together every two years and pretend to be team players and team uh, athletes that they, similar to those that they admire so much. And it really is just such a problematic thing for them because it's really not in their blood to, to, to be a buddy buddy with a bunch of guys uh, for, for this one week every two years. And so, well, it's only been problematic for the U.S. team. The Euros <laughs> don't seem to have any problem with figuring out some chemistry and a way to get along. But I will say this snarkiness and jokes aside, every two years, the FedEx Cup machinery does produce a very helpful vehicle for identifying guys that are in form that might be on the bubble. We have eight players that are have made the, the Ryder Cup cut, and there's another four that we need to appoint. 
And the FedEx Cup um, having, you know, the best players in the world all together on great golf courses, especially this year, is a very helpful way of distinguishing fellas. And I think that's how we got to our boy J.B. Holmes announced this morning by uh, DL3 uh, as a member of the team. Well, I guess he solidified his place. But I think what's funny about this whole process and what you're saying is you're absolutely right and the way they restructured it is seems logical we just did three picks today after the bmw championship uh and then we have this one last pick that that can take into account somebody who maybe wins the tour championship or the fedex cup with a dramatic week but then we learned yesterday from phil mickelson ah the whole thing's already decided tiger's already mapping out lineups and we're putting trying to figure out who's going out first and you're like wait a second guys you you were telling us this whole process was devoted to finding the people who are uh, playing the best right near the Ryder Cup, and then we're finding out from you, eh, the whole thing's already kind of been locked in for a while now. And I guess I just, I'm, I'm enjoying the inconsistency of the whole thing, and it it's kind of pointing to another one of these American bizarro performances where we probably overthought things or we, we overcooked things. And uh, But as you say, at least J.B. Holmes made the team, who should have made the team on the merits of his great play all year and his track record in, in cup matches uh, prior to this, given that he's one of the few Americans who's, who's really had great success in cup matches, right? That's exactly right. I mean, I don't. If if JB Holmes had already uh, made the team, if we're going to believe what Phil uh, suggested yesterday, it had to have been on the merit of his performance eight years ago. Because this season he had two great major finishes and two very undistinguished major finishes. Yeah, right. He, he has two two more two top fives. Yeah. Well, that's two but, more distinguished uh, major finishes than several other people in the in the mix. <laughs> Sure, but the, those guys have other things um, commending oh, them. Yeah, the, yeah, they're great team room guys, right? Right? Yeah. yeah well, yeah. It, there's only one guy that fits that, and that's that's Fowler. Uh, and he got picked who, today. It's a mitzvah. And 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 I think you know <laughs> he deserved that pick though. And and of the guys on the bubble, Mark Brody um, a couple of days ago on his Twitter feed published um, a really interesting table that showed, you know, based on the the metric that he devised, the strokes gained metric, that Fowler has been atop that strokes gained metric of all the guys on the bubble for quite a while. So his his uh, level of play, notwithstanding the fact that we would like to see a W out of him, and he's had two chances this year, one early and one just very recent, uh, he's still performing quite well and I also have no problem with the idea that as an ambassador of the game the role he played for the U.S. team down in Rio I made this point on a pod a couple weeks ago I really feel like he was a galvanizing force for the U.S. team and deserved to make the Ryder Cup for that because that matters we we for whatever reason chemistry does seem to matter I I, I know that uh the, new, the task force has identified metrics and, and analytics as, a, as another way of another perspective it's taking into account. But you, you also have to uh, try and cu- replicate what it seems the Euros have in some way, shape, or form, which is guys who get along for those three days. They may hate each other otherwise, but they get along for those three days. Well, I think there's a dis- uh, yeah, I think you have to distinguish between those who can get along on the course playing foursomes or four ball and this whole great in the team room thing. I mean, who Patrick Reed is not known as somebody who's going to sit and play table tennis all night and tell jokes and uh, be a team room guy. Um, but he does have a passion for playing for his country. And on the golf course, he brings it. And he backed it up at the last Ryder Cup. And I think that's where they get a little – I'm getting concerned. I'm getting these, these sort of signals from Davis Love that – that and Phil Mickelson and all these guys on the task force that they are not quite. I don't know if they're quite making that. Um, if they're 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 seeing that difference in the two things. I'm getting the sense that uh, Ricky was a little bit of a lock because he was part of the task force and everybody loves him and and that's great. But uh, is that gonna is that gonna harm somebody else's? chances is is Daniel Berger going to be left off because he comes from a tennis background and he's very he's got a little bit of an an iconoclastic uh attitude and and uh the classic tennis brat kind of thing going and that I mean that's what makes him good 
But is that going to – if it comes down to him and Justin Thomas, let's say, is that going to cost him because Justin Thomas recruited Davis's son to Alabama and, and stays with Davis when he plays in the uh, Venice Sea Island? You know, that, that's what – I don't know. That worries me a little bit when we start getting into that cronyism. Well, that, that is interesting. Uh, so if, if we are looking at the remaining candidates for that last slot, obviously Bubba Watson is one of right. them um, because he's long been regarded as a guy that, that folks, I think, uh, were ready to include in this top 12 and kind of expected his play to be the thing that would put him into the, to the uh, top 12. And then we have Ryan Moore. If we're going to look at a guy who's in recent form, um, who's won and also had a, a, a couple of top tens here over the last month. And then you mentioned Daniel Berger, who's also, he won the St. Jude, and he's also, uh, but for an injury that he seemed to have suffered shortly after winning St. Jude, he had to take a little break. He's been rounding into form with a series of yep. um, at least top 20s. The one name that does not fit uh, this, this, this uh, trajectory here is Justin Thomas. So I, I, I really am, am curious in hearing what the case might be for him. I think other than the his mascara mustache. Yeah, the playoff mustache is hopefully gonna go if he makes it to the Ryder Cup. I think the case is that Davis really is infatuated with him. He he just I mean for Davis, I think we kicked it around on last the last show that the idea that Davis is sort of ignoring the the points list and and almost has it sounds like a list of his own that includes the points from last fall that would get Justin Thomas much higher up the list and in that because he was not even in the top 16 Ryder Cup points earners that if J Davis is looking at that list then that tells me he's leaning in that direction and I, I fear it's sort of that he's he's uh, you know a team room guy we like him and and Justin Thomas has been very blunt about the importance of the Ryder Cup and making it and uh, but he hasn't really performed down the stretch in a way that would get him the points to be there and I I worry again if this is gonna be a little bit of that that cronyism situation I mean there's some very tight bonds there between Thomas and the Love family and I think that if if Jim Furyk's out of the equation and that and the and the Bubba fatigue seems to be there, uh, that uh, that there is a desire to go a little bit younger, and he may be the pick. And I think it's going to be very very controversial. It would be very controversial with me, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I do support the idea of another rookie. I can get behind the the line of thinking that leads us to. Look, we want another guy in the mix here who is is coming in without any of the old baggage, right? Doesn't have a record yeah. In, yeah. in Ryder Cup weighing him down, um, and is also a guy that might could be up to up to the moment um, attitude wise because we've seen from the the last two or three classes of rookies on tour, these guys come in fearless. They're ready. They're 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 uh, um, you know firing at pins um, and. The other thing that, that's interesting is maybe you want a guy to go ahead and get his feet wet now because he might be a 10-year guy or a 12-year guy or a 16-year guy. The problem I would have with Justin Thomas is you can't put him in ahead of Daniel Berger based on play over, say, the last 90 days. There's just no, no. way you can make the case. No, you can't. And, uh, and I, I find that very... Uh, frightening when they start kind of projecting who they see as uh, somebody who's going to be a Ryder Cup player for a long time. Uh, golf is a very fleeting sport, and, and 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 no disrespect, this is not picking on Justin Thomas or any other young player, uh, or Daniel Berger, who's had a lot of injuries. You just don't know. You don't know who's going to hang around for a while. And and as much as they'd like to, I think there's a. I think the, what it really gets to is my bigger point, which is we really don't know much of anything about golf, ultimately. And the Ryder Cup I, still I, comes I down definitely fit to that who bell. makes the most putts. And all of the, the analytics, the, the who's good in the team room, I see this player as a Ryder Cup guy down the road. He's a future captain. He's this, he's that. Uh, we just don't know. If you start going back on some of those Ryder Cup rosters, House, not that far back, you start seeing some people and you go, wow, he played a Ryder Cup? <laughs> uh, yeah, wow, I, that's I, wild. That, I didn't know that. That about The Valhalla event especially, that, that roster yeah, is I mean, incredible. Yeah, I Anthony Kim right there. And next great 
legend of the game, and and he doesn't even play anymore. So he apparently hits balls occasionally, but um, <laughs> and he and he's good at growing hair. Apparently, it's it's sort of uh, it, it's long. But um, anyhow, I, I just think that's what's fascinating about all this. That all these guys think they have the answers, and and they certainly know better than you and I because they're involved in all this. But I think that they need to keep that in mind that some of these things are just intangibles you can't uh, you can't pinpoint. And uh, but now to your point, by the way, one last thing: as you were discussing all that, I couldn't help but think of Europe, where, where we keep learning that Darren Clark really was thinking about Luke Donald up to the last minute over two young guys who are playing incredible golf. Thomas Peters and Russell Knox. And uh, it, that just is unfathomable to me that he was thinking experience over these two guys who, yes, no, they've never played in a Ryder Cup, but they're playing incredible golf. They are as good as any players in the world right now. And to just uh, to, to ignore that is just bizarre, but that's what these, these guys do. That's what they, uh, the captains believe, and it'll be a whole lot of fun well, to watch it play out. It's very telling, right? Darren Clark has been around for all of the European success of the past 20 years, and if he's a, he, he's been there in the room to observe which character traits carry through, which elements of the guy's makeup, their composition in uh, that format, that type of man, mano e mano battle, yeah, yeah. Um, which, which characteristic is most important. And he's obviously seen something in Luke Donald that was compelling enough that he was w- willing to disregard some guys who've been playing with hot fire yeah. this past season. Because <laughs> that's the Peters, Russell Knox especially. I, I Russell Knox is, is a guy that I have made some money on. I have allocated some nice. capital to Russell Knox this year. And he's really validated uh, that investment. He's been great all season long. ROI, return on investment on Russell Knox. Um but look, he, he's, he, he'll be home for the Ryder Cup. I wish he was playing for the U.S. Yeah, he'll be watching on TV, watching uh, from Florida, uh, uh, watching Dan Hicks do the coverage with Johnny Miller and all the great uh, folks from NBC. And speaking of Dan Hicks' house, oh, he's yeah? going to join us here in a moment. All right. Bridging the gap between action sports and golf, our friends at Callaway have collaborated with Red Bull Media House on a new three-part video series called Distance Lab. The series features renowned golf instructor Hank Haney teaching three athletes from non-traditional sports to hit a golf ball further than they ever imagined. All three of these guys enjoyed pretty serious distance games through new drivers, proper fitting, and a little instruction from Hank. So head over to CallawayGolf.com slash Red Bull to check out the videos, watch the behind-the-scenes behind footage, and just check out the production values of these videos, too. I think you'll really get a kick. For those of you who want to see some people trying to do some cutting-edge stuff in golf video, they have definitely, Red Bull has brought it, and uh, we thank Callaway for them partnering up with them, too, uh, and, of course, with Hank Haney to pull this off. And House, you have a word from one of my favorite sponsors, the Great Athletes Collective. Yeah, our great friends at Athletes Collective, we have a new product uh, that they have uh, been kind enough to let us try out. The new short sleeve V-neck version of the, the, the performance wear, the performance shirt. I, my own self, at the gym last week in the V-neck with a zipper up over top of it because I like to get nice and sweaty when I'm getting when I'm when I'm when I'm pumping out that iron when I'm pumping my iron I, I li- like to work up a lather athletes collective makes it so that you don't have to wear a logo across your chest when you're pumping the iron or out for a long run and you don't have to pay upwards of 65 bucks for for the running shirt either you can just buy great quality great fitting running gear or workout wear or layering yeah. for the upcoming fall golf season. Layer. Am I right, Jeff Shackelford? Oh, yeah. The long sleeves are perfect for the layering house. Of course, we would never know here in Southern California, but we might have layering weather coming. And let me tell you, it's the, the long sleeve is perfect for it. It's not too tight, but it's tight, if that makes sense. And it's great, it, great breathing material. I love it. And it's, uh, it's so inexpensive. That's right. 30 to 40% cheaper than the big brands. Go to athletescollective.com. Enter the promo code HOUSE, that's H-O-U-S-E, and receive 15% off your first order. All orders include free shipping and returns to the U.S. or Canada. 100% satisfaction guaranteed. AthletesCollective.com, promo code HOUSE.
All right, well, we really are excited to have Dan Hicks here today. Dan's been handling the play-by-play duties at NBC Golf since 2000, uh, filling a chair that was previously uh, hosted by Vince Scully, Bryant Gumbel, and then Dick Enberg, all uh, legends in their own rights. And uh, he also handles NBC's coverage of Notre Dame football and, of course, swimming and skiing and and speed skating at the Olympic Games. And I think he's just a tremendously versatile broadcaster and uh, always enjoy his work. And we've uh, we've managed to corral him and to uh, wake him up from from his deep, deep rest period following the thrilling, thrilling finish there at the BMW. You know, I'm sure it takes Dan multiple days to recover. So uh, here's our chat with Dan. Joining us now is Dan Hicks of NBC Sports, and in particular, of course, NBC Golf. Dan, thank you for joining us here in the Shack House. How are you? I am well. My pleasure, Jeff. Looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, we know it's tough to come on a show like this after an intense uh, playoff round of golf like uh, yesterday. We, you saw it, you know, the crunching the algorithms and all that good stuff. But uh, uh, pretty impressive performance by Dustin Johnson there in, in uh, Indianapolis or thereabouts. Yeah, just outside of there, it, it was. It's been fun, and, you know, as you know and have said through the years, I think that's really the objective of this entire FedEx Cup playoffs now in its 10th year, which is hard to believe. But uh, it's getting all the good players, the best players, to play, and it's been fun, you know, watching Rory and Dustin Johnson, two of the best players in the world, just kind of show their stuff uh, in consecutive weeks and doing it, you know, with the putter, which really kind of was the difference uh, in their kind of breakaway performances and Rory's comeback, and then in this case, Dustin just holding holding off Paul Casey again. So, um, but Dustin Johnson in particular, and I think Johnny alluded to it on the telecast yesterday, um, you know, here's a guy in his prime that, you know, really the only missing piece or maybe shaky piece has been the wedges and the putter, and he worked so hard on his wedges, and he's in this this new putter kind of gave him this this you know new life. But you know we got to be careful because we you know to anoint you know because in this sport, as we always say, you only borrow it for a while. So we'll see you know uh, what Dustin Johnson can do you know in the the Tour Championship, and then again in the Ryder Cup where he's really Davis loves uh, number one gun. So. But all in all, really good golf, uh, you know, coming down the stretch here, and that's what it's all about. Well, before we get to the Ryder Cup, because that's really the reason we wanted to talk to you today. You've been covering it for a while. We would be remiss, though, since since many millions more people watched uh, the Olympic Games than we'll be watching the FedEx Cup, uh, to kind of go back to Rio and just hear a little bit about your experience there. Uh, a couple things. One, I'm curious if you watched any of the golf or if you're just – so locked into covering the swimming, uh, if if uh, what you thought of the golf, and then also just tell us a little bit about covering the swimming versus golf. And uh, you're, I understand you had a little bit of a an experience there with some some uh, fine Rio food poisoning or something like that. No, you know I was actually okay. Oh. Um, the, I was okay until I got on the plane to go over there. I oh. was really sick when I got there, but it, it happened sometime before I. I was leaving from Atlanta with Michelle Tafoya and Rowdy Gaines. We'd spent a couple of days with the U.S. Olympic swim team in Atlanta. They always do a pre-Olympic camp. So everything was great. Got to the airport, had a nice dinner at the airport, got on the plane, and getting ready to go for a nine-and-a-half-hour flight. Actually took an Ambien um, to make sure I slept well on the way over. And after I took the Ambien, we're pulling out, literally pulling out onto the tax, onto the uh tarmac and i my stomach started doing somersaults and i'm oh. like holy cow this is not going to be fun so so what happened was i got really sick on the way over and it was not a fun nine and a half hours and then it was not a fun two hours upon arriving mm. there at the airport in rio and you've got to get you know the proper credentials yeah. so i'm standing in a line it's really hot so anyway i was okay and then I, it took a couple of days though really to kind of relax and kind of get my energy back before i started in on uh on the swimming on Saturday. So that was that was the ride over, which wasn't fun. I did have a chance to watch just about the last, I would say, 10 to 12 holes of golf in the final round because swimming is wall-to-wall. It's yeah. eight days, eight nights. And so I did see the last um, part of the golf, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, and earlier in the week, as we kind of 
Tommy Roy and I, who obviously produces all of our golf on NBC, would look from time to time at the leaderboard, just sneak little quick peeks of what was going on at the golf while we were going through our swimming deal. And, you know, it, it didn't look great, didn't look promising at the start. It, you know, the leaderboard was not really coming together, but boy, did it come together in the end. And what happened was three players that, you know, almost were should be a part of the script were a part of it. And uh, I thought it was a great success, and I just think that people needed to see these guys in this different environment, see a gold medal around Justin Rose's neck, see a bronze around Kucher, and just see how he reacted, and, and Stenson with a silver. So I just thought it was a, a great success and a much-needed one to kind of get that ball rolling. So uh, I did see some of the golf, and I thought it was a, a, a really, really cool event. Hey, Dan, it's Joe House. Uh I have a question for you about the Ryder Cup. You mentioned that the FedEx Cup event um, is the perfect forum for convening the best players in the world. And it sets up um, a wonderful way for the U.S. Ryder Cup captain to see who's sort of coming into form, playing well. And DL, the three today, announced uh, Matt Kuchar, Ricky Fowler and J.B. Holmes as his first three captain's picks. And you can see from their each of those guys' performance in the FedEx Cup playoff so far, um, compelling reasons for those three. Do you have any sense as to what uh, Davis Love III might have up his sleeve for the pick next week? You know, I, I, I do think that these guys were settled upon a while back. I know mm. there was the talk about Phil saying it's been a long, long time. I mean, Davis, I, I didn't hear the whole press conference today, but I think he did allude to the fact that it wasn't exactly a long, long time they had these guys in mind. But I, I do think that they've known pretty much these three for a while. But I think the significance of the final pick gives them the wild card to the whole thing. Um, I think it kind of gives them a chance for the dust to settle, kind of see who, see who they have and continue to work with who they have, and then have one final run to see if anybody distinguishes themselves um, you know, in the Tour Championship. Um, I, I think it depends on who does play well if they are going to be added from just based on their play in the Tour Championship. Um, you know, you've got you know, a Daniel Berger, who I think is a, is a very appealing player. Um, that could provide some some fireworks and you know maybe play his way onto the team and then you got guys outside of the tour championship that I'm sure that they're still keeping in mind. Um, you know I, I I just get the feeling guys I don't know if you if you have the same feeling that I do. It, it just seems like every two years in this Ryder Cup we just go over and over <laughs> the guys and there's there's so many good players. These yeah. guys are the best players in the world. This is sports. You know we don't know how Dustin Johnson's going to perform next week at the Tour Championship. We don't know how he's going to perform at Hazeltine. I mean, all of a sudden he could lose that nice putting kind of thought that he has with a new spider putter and and just kind of go off the rails. So I don't know. I, I, I think it's more, I think the importance is more from a captain, so to speak, from just making his players comfortable. And I hate to keep bringing up Fred Couples and what he's done at the President's Cup, and I know it's a totally different event. But I just think the the U.S. players got to figure out a way, whether it's a task force involved or not, to play more relaxed, freewheeling golf. And I just don't, I just, I just don't know if it's possible to do that with a task force and committees and and all of the above. Yeah. Well, we were we were kind of wondering if you and Johnny sit there and, and look at some of this uh, and especially the, the number of Ryder Cups you've done now if you feel like it's it's gone over the top and I, I sense from your tone <laughs> that you do think it's gone a little bit uh, astray and I don't even know if you saw the press conference today with Davis but he, he it sounds like he's listening to just about anybody including maybe the locker room attendant at Hazeltine I mean he's he's taking it all in and it just sounds like a lot doesn't it? Uh, doesn't it really just come down to who makes the most putts? <laughs> I, I agree, Jeff. I think you hit it on the head. I think it, it, comes, it comes down to sports, first of all. You've got a collection of the best 24 players in the world, and it's a competition. And, yes, you can look at guys on paper and you can say, okay, these guys have more majors, these guys are higher ranked in the world. But I also think, too, that for, for the sport it is, golf is such a fleeting thing to hang on to as far as a – 
top level of excellence. And you've got a three-day window here. Yeah. You've got guys that may not be feeling great on Thursday, and then they start doubting themselves, and they'll never get off, you know, the off to a good start on Friday. It's just this really kind of delicate balance. But again, it's sports, and I think golf. When you combine golf, you combine three days, you combine the pressure-packed atmosphere of the event, which is just incredible. Um, I think you've got a recipe that's unpredictable. And I think that you, you know, when you try to when you try to take a sporting event sometimes, and you and you try to turn it into, well, we're going to plan it so well, we're going to win. You know, I just think I think that's when you, and I think that's part of the philosophy that I think has caused the United States some problems, um, because I don't think the guys totally play relaxed. There's there's seemingly all of this extracurricular stuff at stake. It's like when they named Tom Watson two years ago to be the captain. Well, okay, we're going to take business. We're going to take care of business now because <laughs> we got the guy that won at the Belfry back in '93, and that didn't turn out so well, and turned out to really be kind of, a, you know, not a good decision at all. And then you've got you know the Phil Mickelson thing at the press conference, and now we've got a task force. So um, I think simplification is what Johnny and I talk about. Um, we we have done a few of these, and we in you do see waves of momentum go back and forth during the course of the three days, unlike any other tournament um, or really any other sporting event. Um, and you've just got to be able to have the kind of mentality to ride those waves. Europe um, has just done a great job of the freewheeling riding of the waves, so to speak. So uh, it's, it's, it's all interesting. But, it, hey, we're talking about it, and yep. I think that would, that's what makes it compelling for everybody, too. Uh, yeah, it's – oh, go ahead, Alice. I was just going to say it's gotten to be such a, a big event. It's still uh, in in all the circles that Jeff and I uh, walk around, and folks, notwithstanding the arrival of football, are very excited about the Ryder Cup coming. And it's the only thing, um, you know, really since the the last major that folks have focused on, and they've they've thought about the FedEx Cup as a vehicle to get us to the Ryder Cup. The one thing I'm interested in about uh, interested in hearing about in, in terms of those conversations and you and Johnny might be having and trying to find somebody uh, who's not going to be overwhelmed by the pressure of the moment. Do you think that favors the possibility of a rookie um, taking that last slot uh, as opposed to a veteran player that, that, that's been there? Do you think it cuts one way or the other, Dan? You know, I think it's, I think it's a toss-up. I think it depends on, the, on, it depends on the guy. You know, sometimes we're so reluctant to give a guy a chance, and then he goes out and just is, like we say, we always use the term, are they wired for a Ryder Cup, like like Patrick Reed. I mean, the guy, I think, is a perfect example of um, a guy that's, that just thrives in the environment. I mean, do you know it until you see it? Um, you don't, really. Um, but I think it didn't take long for everybody to watch him in, at Glen Eagles and know that, and I remember Johnny and I commenting on it, saying, "You know, this is the kind of guy that could be around for a while in these events." And obviously, he's got to make sure he plays a high enough level to either make it automatically or get picked. But he's the kind of guy that, you know, I mean, Ian Poulter has been that guy for for Europe. He's he just you know thrives in the event. His game, I don't think, is at the level where he can just kind of, you know, elevate himself to that level anymore. But he was that kind of guy, and I think Reed's that kind of guy, and I think that it's a gut feeling by a captain if you're going to you know, pick a wild-card guy like a Daniel Berger. And speaking of him, I, I think he is one of those guys that's kind of wired for it. Yeah. You guys know him probably a little bit. I think he's got that kind of mentality. I don't think he's going to freeze up. And if you talk to him, he's like he approaches all these majors and like he's, like he's a 20-year season veteran. You know? And I think, I think that's really who he is, and I think that um, – I think Davis Love and the rest of the guys could do themselves a favor by breaking out of the pack a little bit. Mm. You know, I mean, there was a lot of talk about you know we don't need the same guys again and again, and I, I'm I'm kind of for that. I mean, it has nothing's worked so far. Um, let some let some young guys get in there and mix it up that you think might have a a good feeling for the whole event. Well, Dan, I think the interesting thing about Berger is that he is uh, I'm going to put this as gently as I can, but he comes from a, the tennis world. And he, he's very much an, an individual, and I don't know if he's going to fit that dreaded team room 
guy description. But, of course, Patrick Reed doesn't fit that, and, and he went well, out and played doesn't. beautifully in the Ryder yep. Cup. Yep. And so I yep. think that's what's going to be an interesting situation here where I'm, I'm getting this vibe that the task force is, is a little old boys network, a little, little bit of a committee club thing, and, and they may be bothered by somebody who uh, doesn't fit the mold that they're looking for. And, and I know that's worked for Europe in a lot of ways, but uh, – <laughs> I don't know how well that'll, right. that'll do us uh, much good there at, at Hazeltine. I want to ask you something. You, you kind of got me thinking about all this hype and all this buildup. Uh, from a television point of view, this event just drags on and on in this buildup. And then all of a sudden, it's, it just goes by so quickly. I'm curious, are, would you be in favor or, or have you guys discussed – uh, the President's Cup format of the Ryder Cup going over four days instead of three? Because it almost feels like we waste this great drama and all this, uh, this, this little bit of all the soap opera elements and the fun and the, the strategy uh, by having it just go so quickly. Yeah, you know, there's, there's been some talk about it. Um, but again, I think that the PGA of America and the, and the people that organize the Ryder Cup like the fact that they're different than the President's Cup and that it's always been this three-day affair. Mm. Um, it, is, it does feel fleeting. It does feel like it's, it's kind of over. But, you know, I, I guess I'm not opposed to it. I, I, think it's, I think it brings kind of an immediacy into it and then this culture of people who want to, you know, want to see things happen in a hurry. You know, I don't think yeah. it's bad to have it, mm. have it be a Friday, Saturday, boom, and Sunday it's done. Because um, I think, especially when you're talking about, you know, with a football uh, time of year, I think uh, the sooner you can get on with it and get this thing rolling and, and get it done, I think you're probably better off in, in this, you know, in this, in this time of the season. So I, I think it's fine with it, with three days, and uh, I don't feel like I'm, I'm gypped. I, it's it's kind of like, uh, what, the guys at the Masters who uh, yeah. limit the hours of coverage for that event, and I think you kind of savor it even more when maybe you don't have quite as quite as much of it. Hey, Dan, your broadcast team has been together for quite a while. You've had great guys like Jacobson, obviously, Johnny, um, over the years, and, and now newcomer David Faraday. Tell us something about working with Johnny that we might not know. Well, Johnny in particular, you learn something almost every, every show, and we've done hundreds of shows, so that says a lot in, its, in itself right there. Um, He's, he's like no other analyst I've ever worked with, and I've done a lot of different sports with a lot of different analysts, and I think, first and foremost, the reason he stands out is because he's not afraid to say anything, and I know that um, he'll be the first to admit, could have said it in a different way at times, but again, he's, he's, he's true to himself, and first and foremost, he's true to the viewer at home. That's his first, that's his first responsibility. It's not somebody's girlfriend watching back home or somebody's mom watching. He's He's true to himself. And so what I've learned is, and obviously I cannot, I don't want to say get away with, but it's not really my job to throw around opinions like Johnny does. Um, but I think it's given me a better sense of just be who you are, uh, believe in what you do, believe in your opinions, but mostly just try to be as honest as you possibly can with the audience because any time that I have made the mistake of underestimating the um, not the intelligence of the audience, but the savviness of the audience out there that really is into the sporting events that we watch, I, I, it's been a mistake. I think you've really got to um, know that they're smart, know that they're wary of if you're telling them something that uh, is, is the real deal or if you're just kind of, uh, you know, making it, making it look good or making it sound good. So I think I've learned, I think that's probably the biggest thing I've learned from Johnny, even though I can't take it to the extremes that, that he's taken it. But uh, our group has been around now for 20-plus years, and that goes for pretty much everybody from in the truck and with Tommy Roy and Tom Randolph, who are the best to ever do what they've done, to all of our announcers. And there is no more difficult sport to produce television than golf, simply being because it's spread out over acres and acres. There are multiple monitors in the truck, a lot more than other sporting events outside of a Super Bowl, which has 50, 60 cameras at times. But that event is inside of a rectangle of a controlled environment where golf is spread out all over the place, and it's happening simultaneously. So um, we 
anticipate what I, I can just sense when Roger's going to talk. Malpe, I, I, I don't see him. I do the same with Gary Koch and the same with Johnny, who obviously is sitting next to me. But there's the sixth sense of trust and familiarity with everybody that you can only get through reps. And we've all done hundreds of shows together. So I never let a moment go by without appreciating how long we've all been together and how important that is, especially in a golf telecast. Dan, how'd you get into golf? Um, it's funny. I, I I didn't play growing up. It wasn't like I wasn't you know a member of a club or I didn't play junior golf. I played all the other sports. I was really interested in sports first of all, and then as I got out of college, I hurt my knee playing basketball. It wasn't that I was going to be a college star of basketball? I was just playing in, a, in, in multiple leagues, and I kind of had played a little bit of golf here and there, but I, 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 I'm kind of a competitive person. I like to challenge myself, and I just started playing more golf because it was easier, obviously, on my, my ACL ripped-up knee, and I just got absolutely uh, hooked on the game, hooked on the sport, and I think that is what drew me into, um, as I got into as my broadcast career developed, I wanted to be a part of covering the game because I was so enthralled with it had so much respect for the for the pressure that these guys faced and the shots that they were, they were able to perform amid it. So I just, you know, when I got to CNN Sports, which is where I was before NBC, um, I said, I held my hand up and I said, I want to be the guy that covers all the major championships, and they gave me that opportunity. And then at CNN, I just did studio. It was always a dream of mine to do play-by-play. So when I got hired at NBC, They'd seen me cover some majors for CNN, so they knew I had a knowledge of the game and that I followed the game pretty deeply. And they just thought my style would fit the sport from an announcing standpoint. And I'm glad they did because I thought it did too. And it just, you know, I, I, I got sprinkled in in the early going, in the early 90s. I was doing a ton of other sports. I was doing everything from gymnastics to NFL the Ironman triathlons. I mean, I was the new kid at NBC, and I was doing everything, but I was also doing some golf. So I got sprinkled in there, and then obviously um, as the years went on, we went through a couple of uh, hosts, and Dick Emberg was the last guy before me, and I got the opportunity to, to be the 18th hour guy with Johnny. And I think it does fit my, my broadcast style, probably – Maybe better than any other sport I do. I don't know. I love doing all the sports and the variety, but I think if I had to do just one for the rest of my career and I had to pick one, I don't think I could do without the golf because it's been it's been such a, a great ride. But it does require a kind of a different tone and, and attitude and style delivery than, say, the tennis or even Notre Dame football, right? I mean, it's do you, do you consciously uh, think about that when you no get doubt. to a golf tournament? <laughs> No doubt, and you didn't mention the swimming at the Olympics with Roddy Gaines, who can take yeah. any uh, <laughs> any level of excitement to a whole other level. Believe me, yeah. um, I see people um, who who obviously know that I do the golf at NBC, and then they'll watch an Olympics, and they'll be, w- "Was that you? Yeah. Was that the same guy?" And they cannot believe the the level of gears that I take it up with swimming partially do in fact as Rowdy Gaines is such an infectious personality and mm-hmm. passionate about the sport that I get I get sucked into his whole deal but at the same time it's the Olympics and it's a race and it's happening and it's every four years and these guys that you know so I get sucked into it so it just kind of happens naturally um, but you do have to recognize the different gears in sports and I think that I think that's what makes a really versatile announcer is the ability to have the different gears, um, to know when to ramp it up, to know when to save something for you know, maybe later on in the game or the telecast or the tournament. You've got to kind of have another gear to go to. and They're all different, and golf's very different from football. So, um, But after doing them for, for several years and doing several games, you kind of you kind of find that comfort zone. But it, it, it never ends. You're, you're constantly fine-tuning it and I think all of us listen to ourselves and kind of I mean you know pinch ourselves and go this is the greatest thing in the world can't believe we're doing it but at the same time geez I could have I could have made a better call there so that's one of the things about the about the business that keeps that keeps you know pulling you back in is that every game's different and in every single thing you do you you think you could do better so there's a level of achievement that you want to get to each and every game Alice you there yeah 
I'm I'm here. I thought we were going to ask a little bit about uh, Tim Fincham. We have a retiring commissioner here, and, uh, you know, the the tour is in in pretty interesting shape right now. Um, What do you imagine uh, that the next commissioner uh, might take up as as an important um, mantle, uh, assuming the, the lead from Fincham? Well, um, first of all, I'm kind of sad to see Tim leave. Um, I, I I like to have fun with Tim. I, I actually have toyed around with an impression through the years that uh, I'm going to miss doing. Uh, what do you I mean? You're more free to behind. do it now than ever. Now that he's he's a lame duck commissioner. <laughs> you know, the first time I actually did it was years ago in front of him, which is that's the ultimate yeah. pressure situation. Um, but, uh, so the first time I did it, I was really nervous and he kind of got a chuckle out of it. So we've had kind of a thing through the years and, and I, I introduce him at a lot of various events and, you know, inevitably he walks in the room and says, uh, listen, uh, Danny, you know, I can just leave here and you can just take over this whole thing if you want, you know, do the whole thing by yourself. You know? So we've had a lot of fun through the years. And, and personally, I know that you guys have, you know, had fun and everybody in the media has poked fun at Tim, you know, through... Sometimes he's, you know, pretty low-key and, and very corporate, and he's got all these sayings that he leans on through the years. But, man, you can't argue with the product that he's produced, and obviously he's been helped by Tiger Woods through the years. So I think the next guy, Jay Monahan, is going uh, is going to have some big shoes to fill, fill obviously, um, without a guy like Tiger, but at the same time with some really young, um, really interesting personalities and incredible talents out there as well. So I think he'll move it along. I think he'll I think he'll try to do some things out of the box that maybe Tim wouldn't have done. Take some chances, maybe like maybe some Ryder Cup captains should, um, and maybe uh, <laughs> maybe take it to take golf to uh, another place, a more modern place. And I know that's a big broad stroke comment, but we've got rules that I think need to be you know, clarified and simplified. We've got to get younger people in the game and all the, and all the catch, you know, kind of topics that, that we talk about in golf. But I think that, uh, I think a fresh, I think it's a good time. I think it is a good time to have a, have a uh, change of leadership, but I certainly think uh, Tim Fincham was very smart and intelligent and just kept moving the corporate chess pieces around and filling in sponsors that left. And, you know, that'll always be a challenge as well. Uh, just one last thing, Dan, and then we'll let you go because we know you need to rest up for that that always thrilling Sunday interview with the commissioner at the Tour Championship. <laughs> when he, he just exudes enthusiasm. You're right. Um, You're right. I need at least a couple weeks for that. You're right. Is your uh, is your is your call of Tiger's putt at the 2008 U.S. Open? Is that the one that that uh, you get the most maybe barked back at you at the airport or people ask about or uh, that you you feel like you're most associated with? Yeah, I think so, Jeff. Certainly uh, that had, you know, the biggest audience probably of, of them all. It, it was Tiger, you know, kind of at his peak. And it was in the whole week had been, you know, before that had been limping on the leg and the whole thing. And people were wondering how it was going to end. And yeah, I, I do. I, I get I get that probably from a golf perspective more than any other call um, because it just it just seems like it's played so much and it was Tiger's last major, so it kind of has that position in his resume of being the last major at the time. We certainly thought, wow, you know, he's going to get past Jack and all that. So it's kind of incredible to still think about how we thought he was you know going to break the record even at that point. But uh, so since it is. His last major, I think it, it gets even more attention, and I, yeah, I was pretty happy with the way that 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 ended and the way that that call happened because I was just I was just acting on you know pure gut and mm. instincts. It just kind of came to me as like expect anything different, and that was you know I think everybody that was around the the green there that day, everybody watching on TV that day was kind of thinking the same thing, and that just kind of came out of me. So I think certainly from a golf perspective, that that's probably what I'm best known for as a single call, which. Uh, which was which was a lot of fun, but as far as I, you know, during the Olympics, I get I get just as much attention from the swimming fans and the Olympic fans for that uh, wild relay that happened mm. just a couple months later uh, at the games in Beijing when Lezak chased down the the French swimmer for for Michael Phelps to keep his perfect record of eight golds intact. So. Those two, those two calls probably happened a couple of months from each other, but they're probably two of the most that I'm identified with, I would say. 
Yeah, well, it's it's a it's an epic call, and it was uh, it was just perfectly timed, just one of those those classics, and uh, really, really, uh, it was so great that Fox had somebody recreate it. I think whenever they sh- they showed the highlight there for a little while, I don't know if they finally <laughs> dropped that. It didn't really didn't really you know, quite capture your that. your enthusiasm. What, what what was that? What was the deal with that? I heard about that. Somebody told me about that, but I never really saw it. They just said, "Hey, they had another guy do the line." I'm like, "What?" Yeah, they did a promo. <laughs> you know, of great moments in U.S. Open. In history, and uh, they showed the putt at, on the 18th, and and had somebody else use your call. Uh, maybe you need well, to trademark it or something. I don't know. But anyway, that, I think that's they bizarre. Yeah, I think somebody that's mentioned almost, that it was bizarre. That's almost like if, uh, if if suddenly by a miracle we acquired the rights to the Masters, we would like throw in there in your life. Yeah, yeah. have you seen anything like? Yeah, that? start working that's on bizarre. your Vern Lundquist now. Well, I'd well, your... but I'll have to smoke a couple more packs of cigarettes yeah. uh, to get there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you could. I don't think anybody can capture yes, sir, or maybe, maybe yes, sir. That's uh, that's a, yeah. That's maybe we could go there, but uh, you, Vern's, Vern, I love Vern, and yeah. the voice gets lower every every <laughs> trip to Augusta. She <laughs> I mean, it's great. I love it. <laughs> well, Dan, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate it, and we look forward to listening to you on the Ryder Cup for uh, for three days, and and of oh, and of course the Tour Championship uh, coming up here at, from East Lake. You forgot to say present it. Oh, Coca Cola. Sorry. Well, that's why oh. I'm a podcaster, and that's why you're Dan Hicks. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks, Dan. Dan. My friends, let's talk about me undies. You all wear underwear every day, at least most of us do. Time to try something better. MeUndies has created the world's most comfortable underwear with a blend of fabric that is three times softer than cotton. You know that I believe this because I wear them religiously. I have them on right now. When you feel awesome from the inside out, my friends, you look awesome from the outside in. And when you upgrade your undies game, everyone wins. Life feels better in MeUndies, believe it. MeUndies is made from modal fabric three times softer than cotton. Tons of colors and patterns from classic to bold to adventurous and the only brand that has matching pairs for men and women if that is your cup of tea, my friends. I wear all kinds of design, pattern, and so on and so forth. You know that I think that they are performance wear, ultimately breathable, ultimately flexible all orders in the u.s and canada ship for free if you don't love your first pair but you will me undies will pay you back and you can keep your undies for free no questions asked i as you know have tried the me undies many times over now have a monthly subscription you your own selves can score additional savings by purchasing a pack for a limited time me undies is offering you 20 percent off your first order at meundies.com backslash house if you don't love your first order it's free and you have no excuse to not try my favorite underwear brand my friends, make sure you go to MeUndies.com backslash house, that's H-O-U-S-E, to get 20% off your first order and use our link, the Shack House link, so that you, they know that we sent you. Hey, hey, friends, now it is time for the speed round, brought to you, of course, by our pals at Callaway Golf, makers of the new Big Bertha Fusion Driver. It's Callaway's most forgiving driver ever seriously learn more at callawaygolf.com so Shaq, we've had some some recent news here about a very compelling figure <laughs> in the game of golf and in fact this figure is so compelling that i believe the very first speed round we ever did on the Shaq house featured this guy exclusively. We're going to run it back. We're going to do old school <laughs> speed round, Tiger focused. It's going to be all Tiger all the time. Three questions about Tiger Woods. He's in the news for a variety of reasons, all good reasons, which is a wonderful thing. Uh, let me begin. He announced his, it's tentative, of course, because <laughs> we use corporate language when we talk about, you know, uh, uh, his appearance anywhere these days. Uh, he he appears to be ready to play mid-October in an event out in, in Napa in Colorado. Good choice, by the Colorado. way. Colorado? Um, uh, California. Yeah, 
Napa, Cal- not Napa, Colorado, yeah, Napa, I California. Hope he show up there. I'm an East Coast guy. Yeah. I, I I make these these things stumble out of my mouth easily too oh, easily. Oh, we know. Anyway, We're used to it. <laughs> so, so Tiger's back. What do you think? I think he's gonna play. I'm not a hundred percent certain he's gonna play at the Safeway Open, but I'm 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 encouraged that he announced it the way he did for a couple reasons. One, he threw in all those caveats about he hopes to play, he plans to play, and that's a big change for him, House. That that's a big admission that he knows he's he's committed to some things and and then not been able to perform. Uh, and then I also love that he did it because he put it out there to avoid having the question brought up at the Ryder Cup. And again, a rather unselfish act for him. He's not been known for thinking these kinds of things through, nor has his team. And so either he listened to some smart people or he just has had a lot of time to think about it. He threw it out there. And you know what? If he doesn't play, if he's at, he says after the Ryder Cup, you know, the back tightened up, sitting in the cart all day, and uh, I didn't have, you know, heated seats in my cart, and I don't really feel quite ready, I think I'm going to show up in Turkey, then I think most people go, well, you know, he threw it out there and he, he warned us it might not happen. So... I think that was just great, really smart of him, and, and a nice nice sign. Yeah, he picked it right before football got started, the date that he announced. And uh, it really did not um, c- crash the internet the way that I expected, but it, it has to be the case that we're so accustomed now to, to Tiger caution speak that we, we all gave a mild hurrah and huzzah on the, on the uh, social media and the interwebs and said, well, we, let, let's just see when he shows up there um, out in Napa, California, um, <laughs> how, how, how he looks. Speaking of how he looks, Jeff Shackelford, Tiger showed up at career day uh, a couple few weeks ago, pictures in the social media of him in what appeared to be jogging shorts and a short sleeve T-shirt, maybe came right from a workout. What would you think about the look? Yeah, I was. that was really not career day attire in my view but I get you know would have been a little over the top if he showed up in the red shirt and black pants and black hat uh you know golf shoes on and the glove in the back that probably been a little bit of a hard sell but (laughs) come on he looked like he just came from the gym showing up uh it was all Nike Uh, it's got the goatee going again which he's on brand on brand of course still has never won a major wearing a goatee so I don't know why he keeps trying to grow the goatee but um uh, yeah, that that was a beautiful bit of, of of imagery that was shared by the teacher of of his daughter's class, and uh, and then there was a scowl in a couple of the photos. So a few people wondered if you know what what was being asked, if it was uh, like that scene. And well, you probably I don't think you've seen it, House, because I think Bill actually asked you on the pod the night of John Turturro goes for career day to his his daughter's class, and it's about the most painfully awkward career day set of questions you've ever gotten. And and in fact, Sam Wyman at Golf Digest wrote a great couple of uh, possible questions that may have led to the scowl <laughs> um, uh, so that's it's we're well, picking on him it was probably a split second look on his face that, uh, that and the kids did not ask if you really are gonna ever play again or something like that <laughs> I didn't mind the look I thought it was uh, kind of encouraging I took it as a sign that he was he's ready he's lean mean fighting machine he's ready to get going and and uh, he showed up very casual ready to show the kids you know <laughs> what, what 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 he's all about you know it's part of the hard work mantra mm-hmm. that goes into that's been part of his rehabilitation now let me uh-huh. ask you this question if you are there the same day as Tiger a career day, what what do you what job do you tell the kids you do? Me personally, or if I'm Tiger? Yeah, yeah, you're there. You have a kid, and 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 you, and Tiger's kid is in your class. It's career day. There's Tiger next to you. What are you telling these kids as your job? Well, me, I'm a I'm a I'm a blogger. <laughs> oh, good, good. Okay, you're 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 not intimidated no, by standing next to you know the world's second greatest golfer. No. You're going to go ahead and come correct. You're going to be you. Yeah. I um. I might show up in it with an astronaut helmet. Yeah. I might tell them I'm a space traveler. Well, you know, why do I have to st- sit here and, and second fiddle to 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 the Tigre? F that. I'm I'm coming. I'm rocking something strong like the astronaut. No, I think you know. Maybe if I if I had to think about it, I'd I'd go the full get get the fireman's suit, bring a big hose with me, have the hat on you or the helmet on. You know, maybe it's just something to be a little bit, a little more. 
I don't know, uh, workmanlike. I don't think I could sell it, though. Uh, well, <laughs> well, speaking of um, out in space, Matt Kuscher today, oh. uh, in response to some questions having to do with the remaining open slot for the Ryder Cup team, made some comments, observations, questions, I don't know how to characterize them, um, that... I, I don't know if they were intended to be flattering. I, I, I just I'll have to listen to them another couple times. They really need to be deconstructed <laughs> to try and make any sense out of them. He, he basically volunteered the idea that it would be super awesome if Tiger was yeah. the final pick for the Ryder Cup. What what is going on there? I think that was him trying to uh, demonstrate that wonderful dry Kucher wit. Uh, the problem is that of course he's doing this house. You you couldn't see it because you were probably uh, actually you have a, a life and a job and you were not watching this but the, the whole thing was so boring and I'm sure he was trying to liven it up but he but he came on and he mentioned the World Wide Web which nobody had heard that reference in a while because uh, he had had a little trouble getting on Skype and then of course he's sitting there doing the Skype thing and he's looking off to the side not looking at the camera so it was like this bizarro kidnapping video and I, I think he was just kind of in his own little world as he demonstrated he can be when he didn't know the Olympic format uh, a week out of the uh, before the Olympics I think he was just throwing it out there for fun, and he likes Tiger, and and uh, he, maybe he's not too enthralled with the other options. I don't know, but I, I think it was his attempt at humor and, and nothing more, because uh, that that would that would be definitely worse than your the, the Justin Thomas pick. <laughs> if I can go, so on, golf, I, I'm very confident in that assessment. Golf humor that that explains yeah. the whole thing. Yeah, you should not no. try humor in a press conference that's uh, the, about the the utterly serious topic of Ryder Cup picks, and uh, do it on Skype and when you wear Skechers and and all that kind of stuff. It's just no, I love Skechers, by the way. I own Skechers. That's not a knock on them. Yeah, but it's, that did just, come up it, on social where... media a few times. Ah, now I now I'm getting the synergy here. <laughs> Well, look, that is all that we have here on the Shack. Oh, come on now. You can't be barking that out before I get in a few more plugs because, come on, the Shack House is all about the Chrome Soft House. You know that. (laughs) It's the ball that brings fast speed and incredibly soft feel and a great price with 13 global victories on tour this year. Not that the guys on tour are really knowing anything about the great price, but we know the great price because we go in an actual golf shop and pay for things. Uh, It's a ball that's winning all over the world. It's a ball that our good friend and future vice captain and our current vice captain and future captain Jim Furyk uh, used to shoot a PGA Tour record 58 and got himself a a 58 Patriots jersey, which he'll probably never show uh, to anybody again because he's a Steelers fan. But it's the ball that changed the ball. So try it at Chrome Soft Golf Ball today, made by our friends at Callaway, sponsors of the Shack House. House, anything else you want to plug? Anything exciting and new? Friday rolling, uh, you guys have a new Callaway little pick deal going on there. How did you, how'd you do the first week against Bill? Yeah, it's true. Uh, Callaway's been generous enough to sponsor uh, the conversation that our, our good pal Bill Simmons and I have once a week, Friday afternoons. We each make three selections. It's called the Callaway Par 3 Picks uh, uh, I don't, p- p- pod. I get a, I'm not sure what their um, correct way is. It's the Callaway Par 3 Picks. Okay. That's it. All right. And uh, um, I uh, am mad at, at one of the teams. I... I, I we, we decided to try and score this according to par. I am presently I had one correct selection and two incorrect selections selections that would put me, I believe, two over yeah. par at the moment. And uh the the one that the team that let me down was the Bears. Come yeah. on, Bears. They were right there with Houston for quite a bit of the game and then that defense just turned turtle mm. and uh they, they, they crapped the bed for the rest of it. And so uh, disappointing performance by the Bears. But um, I'll try and do better this coming week in the par three picks presented by Callaway. Well, you got 16 weeks to go. And uh, you've got, of course, to, to get excited about uh, tonight's Redskins game. And, uh, of course, the return of the Los Angeles Rams. You know, I could barely get down the street today without running into all the people with the uh, Rams flags on their cars. <clears throat> Not quite. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, we will next join you all uh, from Hazeltine. I will be at beautiful Hazeltine, and we will uh, probably talk to you there. Uh, I think from about Tuesday of, of Ryder Cup week. We don't want to. We don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves. But we're looking forward to that, and it should be a great Ryder Cup. Should be a little more drama, right? House coming up here when uh, Justin Thomas gets picked. We'll get to uh, kick that around, and and it should be a great great event at, at Hazeltine at the end of the month. That's going to be a great one. I can't wait for the next Shack House. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom and the Planet of the Apes enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.